Hey everyone, a pre-Tisha B'Av message. Last Shabbat we spoke about the 42 journeys. Matos Masei. Vayachno Vayiso. Vayiso Vayachno. They would travel, they would camp, they would camp, they would travel. And some of it seems quite pointless. The Ramban explains. Sometimes they would rest for a year. And sometimes they would just rest for a day and a half. It's like almost, why are we unpacking the whole 3 million people camp to just have a day and a half? But whatever Hashem said, they did it with happiness and with joy. And with trust and emunah and bitachon, that's the right thing to do. So I think it's not just the story of Matos Masei, of, of the traveling, of the journeys. The journeys of the Jewish people for 40 years in the desert, um, in the wilderness. It's not just a you know, pointless story, but it's also a real message for us, a powerful message about our lives. That over our lives, sometimes we have situations where you know, the, when they travel, the cloud of glory used to go. Sometimes in our life, we don't have the, we don't find the cloud of glory. We 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 are going through times of darkness, times of challenges. We could be confused or disoriented, and therefore the message is that just like the Jewish people of forty years went through these forty-two journeys, even not always understanding what they're doing or where this nation is or where the final destination is, but nevertheless going with trust and with faith and with happiness and joy in Hashem, that Hashem is leading them in the right direction and Hashem knows exactly where each individual has to be, where they are and where they have to go. And with that trust, we can let go and let God. And that's the point of the one of the hidden messages of this week's parasha. It's a very powerful message that our lives are not in vain. They're not a bunch of random isolated events, but it's all one act of divine providence that everything that we do is part of a big building and after we finish our life that whole puzzle comes together and we don't always understand where every piece of puzzle goes or see each puzzle within the whole framework of the whole picture but god does and that's why out of his great kindness and his infinite kindness and infinite mercy and infinite love he's helping us every day in every way as long as we are continuing to ask for that help so I spoke about the idea of our appreciation for our fellow Jew, and something that I've been done that I've been that I've realized for a very long time that I've thought about. I, I travel a lot interstate. I love traveling around Australia, and um, I especially love going to one of my favorite shuls. It's in Surface Paradise, Surface Paradise, Surface Paradise Shul, and um, because a lot of people in the Gold Coast Shul. Uh, elderly and we've had corona and other issues and there was have influx of tourists throughout the year so minyanim you know can be touching ghosts at various times of the year there are times where it's very beautiful December January July it's really happening families there are other times where it's not during the holiday season and it's tougher to get a minyan now what I found was that over the many many years I've been going decades is that you can have nine people you wait for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you want a minyan. You have one or two, three people that are there to say Kaddish for a, for a deceased parent or a loved one. And you're really waiting and waiting. And then after 20 minutes, someone walks in in their jeans, could be with their sunnies on, or could be a cap, depending on the weather, could be a raincoat if it's monsooning outside. But some Yidla, some Jewish, precious Jewish soul walks in, and you just feel like you want to give him such a gigantic loving hug 
because he now made the minyan, the people can take Kaddish, we can all dumb with a minyan, we can connect to Hashem. We all came to Shul, we all slept out of the house. We don't want to just daven on our own in Shul like we want. We came for a minyan, we all want to be there, to have Kaddish and to say Baruchu and Shmad Esrei and Kedusha. We all want to do that. So, And I think the message I've always thought, and I found that recently in Rabbi Nachman, he writes this word for word. I couldn't believe it. Rabbi Nachman Abraslav. And the message is that, unfortunately, I think that we have a predisposition, that we have a natural tendency that when people walk into our synagogue, um or into any, wherever we are, we see someone walk in, we, straight away, what we'll do is we'll try and put them in a box, try to, you know, label them, how do they fit, uh, are they religious, are they not religious, are they part of this community, are they part of that community, are they more orthodox, are they black hat, are they ultra-orthodox, like, how can we put this person, how can we relate to them, and I think that what's so important is that every Jew is precious, and we don't always see it that way when we live in our big communities, Melbourne or, or Sydney, wherever it is. But when we step outside and we stop with all of the you know, communal um, politics or, or, or communal standards of taking for granted, we have all these, that believe in Melbourne, we have so many shuls, over 60 shuls, orthodox shuls. So, you know, we, we know this person's not in that shul, and he's this type, and he's that type, and, and there's an orange, there's a pear, everyone is, you know, in their box. But when you step outside and you have only one shul and you need one minyan and one guy walks in in his jeans and t-shirt, you want to give him a hug, you realize every Jew is so precious. And all the judgment and all that labeling um, just fades away. And there's no need to profile anymore. And actually I saw this in Rabbi Nachman and he, he brings it in in the context of your own individual self-development and spiritual development. He says, don't ask, don't think, why should I do a mitzvah today? If I know I am not going to be able to sustain this level of being righteous and, and good and a tzaddik through my whole life, at some point I'm going to fall. People have full ups and downs. So Rabbi Nachman says, no, because I'll tell you, I'll tell you an example, said Rabbi Nachman. Imagine you have nine tzaddikim, tzaddikim, babasalis, benishchais, or Ravadi Yosef, nine of them in one bet knesset. And they're waiting for a minyan. They can't do anything, says Rabbi Nachman, without a minyan. But then, one lowly guy from the shuk, from the marketplace, who hangs around all day, all the low lives, you know, and they're talking about, you know, all different things. They're living in the, in the filth of the street. Um, and, but he walks into the synagogue for mincha, for a minyan, joining these nine tzaddikim. He says, the tzaddikim, without this yid, can do nothing. They can't do any, they can't point ice, they can't, they can't bring down any bracha to us, right? They can't make any tikkunim or any ichudim uh, or gilim, any, anything. They can't do anything without this one little yidla. And nobody asks, says Rabbi Nachman, where did he come from or where is he going? They just want to get up on a chair or stand on the table and dance. Baruch Hashem, now we have a minyan that all of us together with the tzibur, with ten and Ada. We can now bring down Hashem's light into the world, bring down Hashem's Shefa, Bracha, Hatzlacha, Refuah, Yeshua, Parnassah into the world. We could never do that in indiv as individuals, but now as a group we can do it. Says so Rinach, when the same applies to our own lives, to your own life. Just because you may do something wrong in the future, doesn't mean that right now you have the opportunity to do whatever you can, grab that opportunity. And he says that nothing good ever gets lost. From the, he brings that from the Kabbalah, from the Zoya. Nothing good ever gets lost. It's all part of a building, and I said earlier, and after, after a person dies, 
he sees his beautiful building, the big puzzle that he built, even though he didn't understand every one of the 42 journeys over his 40 years, 80s, 120 years of his life, of his traveling, of his journeying. But it's all part of one beautiful building, one beautiful puzzle that comes together. I also touched on the idea that judging is not a Jewish idea. We are not allowed to judge a fellow ever, ever, until you reach this place. Now, the, the, the commentaries explain that you never reach someone else's place because even if you are in the same year level as them, the same class as them, the same school, same community, but you don't have the same parents as them, right? And even if you do have the same parents as them, maybe you're a twin, but you don't have the same brain as them, the same heart, the same emotions, the same challenges, the same insecurities, the same outlook on life. So, Munkoimoi means their place. You're not in, don't judge your friend until you're in their place. Their place spiritually, their place physically, emotionally, their place psychologically, mentally, right, financially, socially, you are never going to be in their place. So you're never allowed to judge anyone. In fact, the mitzvah is from the Mishnah in Masech Avot. We say that what? Judge the entire person favorably. We have to judge everyone favorably. Says Rabbi Nachman, an unbelievable thing. When you judge someone favorably, you bring him over to the favorable side. You bring him to Kafskus. It sounds like a magic trick. How does that work? The guy maybe did something wrong. I mean, we don't know. We're, we're judging him favorably because we don't know what he did. Um, because whatever we saw, say we saw him that he was driving on Shabbat. Well, maybe the rabbi told him he has to work to save lives for Hatzalah or take his wife to the hospital or there was an emergency and he had to drive on Shabbat. Maybe we saw someone eating non-kosher. Or maybe the doctor told them, that, and, they, and the rabbi advised, that for their health condition, they have to eat this particular food. So yes, you saw someone eating non-kosher, but they didn't do the wrong thing. They did the Ratzon Hashem. So we can never judge other Jews. And <clears throat> how it works is that, according to Renachman, when you judge someone favorably, you bring them to, you, br- actually, you actually bring them to the to good side, even if they were wrong. And I think we can understand this according to what the Tanya says, that when someone does tshuva with, with love, tshuva me'ahava, averot naseh zuchot. Averot turn into mitzvot. Averot turn into mitzvot. What is going on here? I thought there was fairness and, and Hashem is righteous and there's din and there's cheshbon. Din v'cheshbon, everything is fair. Emet, what, how can there be the averot come into mitzvot? If you do tshuva out of love. I saw it explained with a story in one of the little Tanya pamphlet books. There was a Jew, a backpacker, an Israeli Jew, a precious Jew, traveling in Thailand, but not very committed to uh, Torah and Mitzvot. And like many, many Jews in 2022, we've been through so many um, challenges throughout our history, whether it's society world, from beginning from Portugal and Spain, and then being, you know, uh, escaping, escaping to Egypt and all these other countries, whether it's the Ashkenazi world going through the Holocaust, trim- terrible, terrible um, calamities that happened to us. And unfortunately, not every Jew is, is, is today gone, has gone through a Jewish school, had a Jewish education, had Jewish parents that are very connected. They may have been, may have been lost in the Holocaust. They didn't have that education themselves. Um, or if they were connected when they came back, there wasn't any institutions or resources to rebuild. So we've been through so many challenges, and not everyone is connected, unfortunately. And this Jew from Israel wasn't connected, and he, went, he was backpacking. Nevertheless, it came time for Yom Kippur. And he walked into the Chabad house, and he said, I'm here for Yom Kippur. I want to fast. I want to daven. Um, and the rabbi told him, turned around and turned to him, sorry my friend, but uh, the Yom Kippur was two days ago. 
He was so upset to say Nivesh Brachan. He was so broken that this caused him, this experience caused him to do 100% Shabbat, keep Shabbat, keep kosher. You know, Hashem, I'm sorry. How could I eat on Yom Kippur? How could I break the holiest day, holy fast of the year? Hashem, forgive me. I want to have a relationship with you. I put on tefillin every day, wear the tzitzit, kiss them zuzah, eat kosher. I want to be with you all day, Hashem. And I know you're my father and you love me and I want to be close to you. And it says the, the, the Tanya that you see how the Averot became the stepping stone. They were part of the journey to becoming a complete Baal Tshuva, a complete repentance, doing a complete Tshuva. So therefore, the Avera was not, didn't, wasn't, didn't end up in vain. The Avera ended up having a very, very important purpose because it was part of the journey. It was a stepping stone in the journey even though at that moment there was only one piece of the puzzle and it looked like a very dark piece of the puzzle and a confusing piece. Where does this piece of the puzzle fit in? Right? It's, it's an avera. How does that fit into the picture, to the plan, to the journey of life? Nevertheless, when you put the whole journey together and you see that he, at every point of the 42 destinations, each time there's a growth and there's happening and there's more development and spiritual achievements, then you see the whole puzzle together. Wow, they're all stepping stones for the final destination. So the same, in the same vein, we can understand Rabbi Nachman. If someone does, does something wrong, right? Now, we don't know if he did anything wrong. Probably it didn't do anything wrong. Probably we're just being judgmental. You know, it's an interesting thing that our role as Jews is to judge everybody favorably, right? To, to, to never look at them badly. What that means is not to judge them, to look at them favorably. And that everyone's good, everyone's doing good things, right? Now, if we know someone's doing the wrong thing, of course, there's a mitzvah, to make them aware. I'll touch on that in a minute. The halacha is only if they're going to accept it from you. <clears throat> And I'm not talking about public desecration of Hashem's name, Chilul Hashem. I'm not talking about setting up for what we believe in. Of course, we have to make, you know, uh, religious schools and communities and, and stand up for what we believe in. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, at an individual level, we're not allowed to judge anybody. Now, in fact, the Sanhedrin, the great court in, in, uh, that used to um, sit in, in Jerusalem, they had 71 judges, and despite all of the harsh repercussions for people who do Averot, uh, as in like the worst Averot, um, the, the role of the, of the Beddin Hagadol was, the great Beddin, the great Sanhedrin, was to, their role was to get them off the hook. You have someone that they've committed um, something wrong, try and find a loophole to save their life. That was the number one prerogative of the Sanhedrin. That was their instruction, to try and get someone. And in fact, all these things that we have, you know, that someone gets a death penalty or someone gets this, that's all really there to bring across the importance and the severity and the stringency of, of what you're doing because you, wanna, you don't want to break your relationship with Hashem and you want to pe- keep the public square, you want to keep the sanctity in the public square, the holiness of the public square. You want Jerusalem not to look like some of the non-Jewish capitals like they were in Canaan or in Midian, where the Buddhist Midian we saw a few weeks ago. We don't want that to look like that, that to be happening in Jerusalem. So we want a clean, kosher, pure, Bikdusha, Tahara public square. Nevertheless, Bettin's role, if someone did commit a, a severe offense, a capital offense, was to get them off the hook. That's why it says in the Gemara that if a Bettin killed once in 70 years, they were considered a cruel Bettin because they should never be killing anybody. They should be getting them off the hook. So, well, someone does an Avera, if it really is an Avera, then if we judge them negatively, what happens? They did an Avera. And then that caused us to do an Avera because when we saw them, we, ha- we went and judged them. So now two Averas were committed. So we became part of the problem, not the solution. 
However, if someone did an Avera, and it was an Avera, but we judge them favorably, so now like the Baal Tshuva, their Avera caused us to do a mitzvah, because their Avera caused us to judge them favorably. So yes, they did something wrong initially, but what ended up at the end of that journey was that someone else did a mitzvah because they judged that person favorably. And because someone did a mitzvah on their behalf, that can help bring them a merit, a zechut, to really come back and do tshuva. So that's possibly one of the ways that it works, according to Rabbi Nachman's opinion. When you judge someone favorably, you bring them over to the favorable side and to kafschus, and really, really help them to improve. Tzadikim, this is what they're constantly doing. Because Rabbi Nachman says, it says in, in Friday night, we daven, we daven in the Akhle Chadodi, we say, Tzadik, Katamar, Yifrach, Ke'erez, Balvanon, Yizkeh. The Tzadik should be, Yifrach, he should, he should be uh, fruitful and, and, and grow like a uh, date palm, right? And Baal Shem Tov actually says, there's two mentions here, there's date palm, a tamar, a tamar, and there's also a Ke'erez, a, a cedar tree. And Baal Shem Tov says, that you have some Sadiqim who are like cedar trees, solid and powerful and tall, but they're standing alone. And you have others that are Tzadik Katamayifrach, that are giving over the fruits of the palm trees, and that's what we need, to give over to others. So, the Tzadik Katamayifrach says, Rabbi Nachman, Katamar, just means uh, date tree, but also means a lotion of Tmura, to swap, to substitute. Tmura, we substitute. And he says that the Tzadik substitutes people's actions to make those people and into good people and, and to find favor in Hashem's eyes for those people, to make them righteous, bring them over to the Tzad Hatoyev, Tzad Kafaschos. And how does this happen? So he says the Pasuk in Eov, Eov suffered terribly, and the Pasuk in Eov says that if you find me, Chad Mine Elef, one in a thousand, one positive angel out of, a th- out of 999 prosecuting angels, Hashem says, I will get the guy off the hook. I, 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 won't, I won't punish him. Says Rabbi Nachman, it sounds interesting. If there's a thousand nine hundred nine nine angels, why are we getting him off the hook? But he says that you know what the you know what the answer is? It's because there's nine hundred nine nine angels, we're getting him off the hook. It's not a magic trick. Because there's nine hundred and ninety nine dark prosecuting angels, legions and legions of prosecuting angels, armies and soldiers of darkness that are telling this Jew, this Yidla, oh you're such a Russia, you're such a bad person, you're so evil, do this, do that. How did this Jew have the chutzpah to stand up to these 999 prosecuting angels and in their face do a mitzvah? How did he happen to do that? So therefore the tzaddik says, you see this yid? Wow, what an unbelievable thing that he did. Right? Of course it's not a tzaddik, it's not 999 averot. But he's not a rasha in the sense that we should give up on him. We are, Hashem, you have to love him and care for him and find mercy and, find, and help him and help him do tshuva. Hashem says, yes, that's right. That's the role of the tzaddik. Katamar yifrach. Like a tumura, Substituting and swapping the averot. Turning the din, the judgment, into rachamim. Into mercy and into chesed. And, and I think that although we have a mitzvah, that we have to tell our friends if they're doing the wrong thing. But the way, there's a way and a place and a time that's done. So... We, the mitzvah is only if they're going to listen to you and they accept it. So if you're not going to do it in a way they're going to accept it, you're not, you're not allowed to say, tell them anything. If you're going, and even worse, if you're going to do it in a way they're going to not accept it and do worse, Averos, you're, you're forbidden to tell them anything because then you're part of the problem. You're causing them to do more Averos. So, for example, I was away uh, traveling 
and there was an Israeli backpacker. He told me he was religious from, from Eretz Israel, but he didn't know. He, he was carrying a backpack on Shabbat. We, had, we, we ate dinner together and he was carrying a backpack. So, in the beginning, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't know, you know what the situation is. Um, and sometimes it's better if he doesn't know that he should just not know because you're not going to make him leave his phone and his keys and his credit cards in the middle of the street. He doesn't know, let him not know, and then we'll tell him after Shabbat. So, after Shabbat, I saw him about a week later, and I said to him, how are you doing? Everything's great, amazing, and I just want to let you know that when you backpack in Melbourne, which he was in Melbourne first, and Sydney, and Perth, all those places have, have an air roof you can carry on the Shabbat. But when you are in other places in Australia, more remote, there is no air roof, and you can't carry on the Shabbat. He said, oh, you can't carry, you can't really take the bag. I said, no, you can't really take the bag. He said, oh, thank you, whatever, great. So, there's a time and a place. Now, we just want to lead by example, and... It says that we say when we put the Torah back every Shabbat after, we, after the beautiful Kriya, we say, Your ways are ways of pleasant and peace. God's ways are ways of pleasant and peace. And we have to be a shining example of pleasantness and peace to everyone around us. This is how a beautiful Torah Jew lives their life. It's beautiful life. It's an amazing life. It's full of happiness, fulfillment, spirituality. You're living on a spiritual level. You have a soul connection to everything you do. You don't just eat and drink and be married and have relationships on a physical, materialistic connection, but you also do all those things with a soul connection. So you have the full package. It's a beautiful, inspirational, fulfilling life. I want to show and lead by example what a relationship with Hashem can do for a person, how amazing it is. The gratefulness, <clears throat> the positivity. So we want to lead by example. Coming into this dish above, we're still in Galut because of sinat chinam, baseless hatred, and how we're going to get out of baseless hatred is we're going to love each other, judge each other favorably. If we judge each other favorably, if we're always grateful, if we always see the bigger picture, then we will have a broad perspective, and we will be able to have humility and gratefulness and love for everyone and feel happy and relaxed. But if we have a narrow perspective and we're self-centered and we don't, we're not grateful, we don't see anyone else, and we end up being arrogant, then whatever happens, we get upset at everyone. Why do this? Why do that? Why things are not always going my way? And then we're always sad and anxious and living a very unhappy life. So gratefulness, humility, and loving every Jew, judging, judging them favorably. This is what Hashem told us to do. It's the Jewish thing to do. It will help us that this Tisha B'Av, we will be together in Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh, all of, of Kral Israel, united, Ashkenazi, Svaradi, and everyone in between with love between all of us and love with us and Hashem. Amen. It should happen speedily.